don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart Hello everyone, welcome back to our very special mini-series of Uncanny Treks where we talk about Star Trek Picard some weeks we also talk about Copenhagen Cowboy, but this is an even-numbered week. So we're just talking about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 4, No Win Scenario, that originally aired on the 9th of March, 2023. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Bob, Picard, it's doing it, Bob. It's winning me over, I swear. It's sucking you in, man. It's sucking I, you in. I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still scared, though. This episode, it was really good. It kind of felt like it kind of ended like the first arc of the season, you know? Yes, exactly. And that's at least kind of a comfort because even if the rest of this, the I think we have six episodes left, even if the next six episodes suck, which, you know, I don't think they will all suck, but I think there's a better than even chance that it will still end disappointingly. But even if that happens, we can still just go back to these four and just treat them as something separate, you know? Oh, I agree, hundred percent. And honestly, like this could have been a decent film had they gone that route. Yeah, it could have been. Although I, I saw you put that in the notes, I thought that was a good point. But I guess I sort of disagree because if it had been a film, the pacing would have been a lot different, and it probably for the worse. You know, like there's a like this is sort of the climactic episode. But there's a lot of like lull in it, and there's a lot of like downtime and character time, and I actually like really like that. But if they just made this a film, they wouldn't have been allowed to do like the back forth like this. Does that make sense? They would have had to cut a couple of things. I agree. Yes, probably about almost an hour's worth. But you know, it, it's they may have been able to make it happen. But I I enjoyed this episode. The last episode, I, I don't have any real complaints. I mean, I have some nitpicky shit, but nothing huge like in the previous season. There's definitely some stuff in the first two that I wouldn't mind having uh, cut out. Sorry, in the first two episodes of this season. But I, I just like this kind of like before the climax, everybody's kind of chill. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. I mean, I'm still a little fonder of season two than you just because I thought like the I thought season two when it was wasting time was fun. It was just the the end was so dumb that it kind of <laughs> it, it undid a lot of enjoyment. And it really hasn't been referenced in this season. <laughs> well, another thing, um, do you remember the name of the guy who's the showrunner for this season of Picard? No, I can't remember his name. It's like, I, I want to say it's like Terry Mastis. It's something like that. Yes. And he's the guy who apparently was the showrunner for 12 Monkeys on the Sci-Fi Network a few years back. But he did co-run season two, apparently. But he did it with Akiva Goldsman. So... I guess that sort of explains why, like, there's some tonal similarities between season two and season three, but the plot of season three seems wholly distant from season two. And Azkiva Goldsman is so damn hit or miss sometimes. Like, he, he, he did so many great things in our childhood, but then some of it was just pure shit. Did he actually do any good stuff when we were kids? I mean, some of the Batman films, right? Wasn't he, like, the, uh, the writer for I, those? I think he was only the writers for the bad ones. Oh, oh, okay. Like, I will agree, like, I think he, I don't know how much he's involved in, 
like because he's he, he has a lot of producer credits you know and it's hard to say what he's involved in and what he's not involved in but because like he has producer credits on strange new worlds and that's you know that's amazing like it's great i don't know he's, he has producer credits on discovery but like is he responsible for the good ones or the bad ones i i don't know yeah. well he also wrote a beautiful mind Ooh, ooh, that's not a not not a big. Uh, and you were correct. You wrote Batman and Robin, so <laughs> and, ba- and Batman Forever, and which is which is it's passable. And the and the late '90s Lost in Space uh, movie. Yuck. And the Will Smith I Robot. All right. Anyway, but let's get into this episode. We're, we're like going off on a tangent here already. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> you want to walk us through the uh, a plot of um, No Win Scenario, Matt? So in the A-plot, Bob, as the Titan plunges into the nebula's gravity well with only a few hours of life support left, everyone else makes their peace with loved ones, while Seven wants to get the Changeling Saboteur before the gravity well does. Saboteur, Matt? Is that how you say Saboteur, 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 not French. (laughs) I think it's originally a Dutch word, actually. Okay. (laughs) Well, Matt, do you know how I know that? How do you know this, Bob? In Star Trek VI, Fake Savic, a.k.a. Valerian, has a whole monologue to Spock about it. <laughs> okay. That's... Congratulations, Bob. <laughs> I, it's just, it's, it really stuck with me uh, from my childhood. Man. It, just, it just popped in there. Okay. What yeah, about the B-plot, yeah. Bob? In the B-plot, uh, Vedic, uh, a.k.a. Amanda Plummer, saws off her hand and then receives an order from it to pursue Jack Crusher, even at the risk of the Shrike's destruction. Yeah, that was the weird shit that happened on this episode that doesn't have much explanation. Oh, it was great, though. I, I, I kind of don't want them to explain it, because I feel like any explanation will not be as cool as, like, Amanda Plummer sawing off her hand. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. please just, just leave, it, leave it be. But, you know, there's a couple things we'll talk about later on that I'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. So we open up with a flashback, as is traditional which is one of the things I could dispense with from this show. But it's, you know, Picard sitting in a bar, as if he apparently just always does. Every flashback is in a bar. He's just always in a bar, this guy. But uh, he's in a bar, and he uh, is press-ganged by some Starfleet Academy cadets into telling stories. We get an amusing reference to Janeway and the Herogen, who were Voyager's Predator knockoffs, and apparently they somehow made it to the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, I was really proud to understand the reference in this episode, Bob. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what he's talking about. The Rojan. Yeah. I didn't watch much Voyager, but, you know, I know what they are. Yeah. I don't know, Matt. Do you think, like, Picard kind of, not just this season, but also season two, and maybe even season, I don't think season one, but definitely season two kind of overdoes it on bars. Like, I know, I know the Enterprise D literally had a bar on the ship, but I don't know. I just, I don't picture the... The next gen crew is big social drinkers. Like I, I, I picture like DS9 and the Voyager crews throwing back a lot more than the next gen crew. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, this bar, Bob. To me, there's a lot of little things on the wall that are all about Picard. Yeah. So it's almost like a theme restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like you're calling it a bar, but honestly, like he had picked or pictures of people of him all over the place, or pictures of people he knew from Starfleet. I, I don't know what they were really going for with that. If it was supposed to be like a nostalgia trip for Picard, because there was even a Picard Day poster on the wall. I guess you're cool if you get a themed bar, yeah, <laughs> like made after you. I guess, but I don't know. There's like, is there anything more pathetic than like eating your lunch in the bar themed after you? 
Yeah, and then not being able to like actually eat your food because you're too busy like excitingly giving these stories about shit that probably didn't really happen. You know, that was never actually on screen. That you <laughs> that you pretend that you at first pretend you don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Let me let me finish my food. It's getting cold. Oh wait, you have another question for me over there? Over there, you have a question? <laughs> you have something to say? <laughs> That's exactly what he does here. So Matt, we uh, we left last episode with some big tension, right? Uh, Riker throws Picard off the bridge. I was very satisfied by it. Yes, he, we were, and then they immediately go to them making up, and I was like, we we talked about this last last week, and I, I just don't know how I felt about the whole exchange. I, I felt it was it was too quick, <laughs> but I mean they're they're kind of restrained for time, so I get it, but I think they need more time to cool off. Yeah, but they, I mean, they really only got a few hours, Matt. They really yeah, only got a few uh, hours. I guess that's so, it. Um, I, I did really love uh, Shaw's, so many Shaw lines this episode, but one of the Shaw lines I loved was, uh, bang up job your heroes are doing with the ship. Love the view, which he says to Seven. <laughs> I have to say, Shaw does have some great one-liners. I'll go ahead and spoil it for you, Bob. He's my character of the week. This dude rocked what? this episode. What? Yeah, oh, he's the uh, best oh. new, he is the best new character it, that we have got from Picard. Hands down. He's great. He's great. He, he's also my character of the week. Maybe we should just end the episode yeah. <laughs> Just, if you haven't watched the episode, go watch it. It's this fucking Shaw episode. It's it's awesome. Uh, give this man a show. Just uh, do it. Apparently, he's an important character on the 12 Monkeys TV show. Okay. So he's the, he Which, was an actor on that show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and he he's been around a lot. I, I I can't remember any other highlights, but like I looked at his filmography a week or two ago, and there was like nothing in particular that stood out to me. But he's he's been around a lot. I don't know. I, I am eventually gonna watch the Twelve Monkeys show, although I can't. I don't know. I just I feel like I have so many things to watch. I kind of resent having a three season new show in my life. But man, yeah, he, he he's the big selling point for it for me apparently. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to check that out. I, you know, especially since we're covering the, the the film. It sounds more like the Twelve Monkeys show would tie into Picard than the movie does. Oh, but oh god, there's three seasons of the show, and the movie's great. So yeah, we, I don't, we, I don't we, want to de- not dedicating three three seasons to a show that I'm not 100 percent sure of. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, Shaw is tremendous, man. He's a uh, tremendous. So, uh, one point that was a little bit of a sore point for me, even though they go out of their way to explain it, it's like. We're running out of life support, but we have enough power for Picard and Jack to bond on the holodeck. It's just, what the hell? What the hell? Bob, I, I kind of like the idea that everyone's going to die, so let's like hang out on the holodeck as it all goes to hell. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I, get, I get why. It reminds me there's this obscure South Park plot, I think probably way back in like the first season of the late 90s, uh-huh. where they were protesting the treatment of like chickens and poultry plants. So... To show how humane the plants were, they'd uh, lead the chickens into a room with this giant screen and show them like a short video of a farmscape and all the other chickens running around. <laughs> and then this giant saw blade just came across and chopped all their heads off at the same time. So <laughs> that that's my understanding of what's happening here. It's it's We'll go down with the ship, but at least the last few seconds we'll be very happy. Indeed, indeed. Uh, man, you get the really good drugs right before you go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I actually, if you just described abstractly Jack Crusher's role in the season so far to me, I, uh, I would not be impressed and I would not be excited. But I do have to kind of give it up that 
the the actor playing him does a good job and you you if you abstractly described Jack Crusher's role, I think I would hate it, but I, I don't hate him. Like he has, he's got a lot of good lines in this episode as he tells Picard this fake place is as good for dying as any. And, uh, you know, he asked Picard about the hair, which is very fun. And then uh, we also learned from him a little interesting factoid about one of my favorite species, which is the Andorian antennae are mostly muscle, which I thought was pretty cool. And, Bob, Jack has basically made 38 to do 23. So doesn't that make you feel better? (laughs) Well, Matt, this is something I was going to bring up on the 12 Monkeys episode, but I'll go ahead and bring it up now. You remember how the Riddler was in the 12 Monkeys film? Yes. So 12 Monkeys is the same amount of time distant from the Batman TV show as we are from the movies 12 Monkeys. Oh, painful. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Bob. So, yeah, yeah. So it's really good that 38 is the new 22. It, it's yeah. very good for us. <laughs> well, I, I do want to point out, too, one thing about the baldness part, Bob, because yeah, I, yeah. I, am, I am a bald man. So, are, are you a bald man or just a balding man, Matt? I'm 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 pretty much a bald man. Like I have the whole no, no, like no, you're, st- you're still balding. I would I would just say you're bald. Uh, so I, I'm going to continue to lose my hair. Thank you, Bob. So <laughs> what hair I have left? So Jack doesn't really have to worry too much because like the baldness gene comes from the mother's side. So he should be okay, okay that, unless that's a comfort. That's a comfort. Let me offer you another bit of comfort, Matt. On a long enough time scale, we're all balding. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I just happened to start in my mid twenties. Like, <laughs> that was supposed to make you feel better, bro. <laughs> you're just going to be in the grave decomposing, and your hair will fall out. Thanks. <laughs> oh man, we really do have some great other great interchanges between Shaw and Seven um, in this episode. And uh, yeah, Seven has the great line to uh, Shaw that uh, <laughs> if you were a ch- it's the kind of thing you would say if you were a changeling and not just a dick. Oh, exactly. And this just further proves that any show centered on Shaw and having that, that kind of energy between him and Seven, him and LaForge, we could make it happen. It would be awesome. Do it! Yeah, like, I, I really, you know, like Jerry Ryan a lot and very fond memories of Voyager from my childhood. But I wasn't, like, excited about, because I think they've been talking for a while about doing a Seven of Nine spinoff of Picard, you know? Right. And, was not feeling it, especially not if it was like Seven and the Fenris Rangers, because Jesus <laughs> Christ. That really sounds like a Disney show. I still don't know what the Fenris Rangers are, and I, I, I don't want to know, I don't think. Like, but... I could totally see like a crossover with like Buzz Lightyear or some shit like that. Just <laughs> terrible. But like, if the Seven of Nine spinoff had Shaw and Crash LaForge and was on the Titan, they could write it where like Shaw and Seven like work together well, but they just don't like each other. That yeah. would be great. You mean like like having tension between your crew? It wouldn't be like cheap dramatic tension. It would just be like, okay, yeah, they work together well, they respect each other, but they just really don't like each other. It'd be subtle. Kind of yeah. like how most people are in the workplace, Bob. I get it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Bob, I, the whole thing with the changeling, okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, you want to hear my really nerdy problem with the changeling thing? Hit me, Matt. Hit me. And this is all thanks to our coverage of DS9 versus B5, because, you know, we went back and rewatched. All right, Bob. The bucket. The whole bucket. The bucket. Where where did Odo get the bucket from? Wasn't it the scientist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He had a bucket, and that's where he went to be safe. Now, that was only for Odo. 
not all changelings have the bucket. Most changelings just do their thing. They just, you know, go plop and then lay in the middle of the floor. No one cares. Like, they don't need a bucket. Odo had a bucket for a reason. Because well, it made him feel secure. So... I'm going to disagree with you on this, though. Because, like, what, if we're talking about, like, a changeling who's just, like, a changeling... Like, the changeling we saw who was in Starfleet earlier this season. Like, yes. Maybe, maybe they don't need a bucket. But I feel like if you're, like, an undercover agent, probably better to have a bucket than not, you know? I mean, I agree, I agree with that, Bob, but I'm just saying, like, they don't usually have an exact, like, bucket that looks like the bucket Odo had. <laughs> like, it's not a bucket. It, 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 on top of this, the founders didn't have buckets. None well, of them yeah, need... but the founders have no need of buckets because they just chill in the Great Link. But if this dude's just chilling in his quarters, Bob, and there's no real suspicion... What's why couldn't he just like hang out, you know, as his gooey self? Because it's because if somebody comes in, they're if they're they're less likely to look in a bucket than to investigate <laughs> a mysterious pile of goo on the floor. And and also, don't they have also, showers? And do they have showers and bathtubs? They're more likely to investigate. Although granted, <laughs> it's better than the floor, but they're more likely to investigate a mysterious pile of goo in the sonic shower than they are. <laughs> We broke it. So, so what you're telling me is they're going to come into his quarters unannounced, look for him, and then they're like, oh, where's Lieutenant whatever? They go in his bathroom and see some goo on the shower. They're like, oh. But the, change, but the changeling is not like steadily impersonating one person. Yeah, they're flipping around. So, yes, yeah, so they, now they got to carry their bucket place to place. But they, they, no, they just have a hiding place for the bucket on the ship and they chill in the bucket. Or they, like, if they, you know, okay, so say they, you know, like he killed the transporter chief, I think it was. Yes, yes. And so it's like, okay, he's the the changeling. They're impersonating the transporter chief for a couple weeks. They keep the bucket in the transporter chief's uh, quarters because, like, you know, you don't you don't know. Like maybe the transporter chief has a girlfriend or a friend who comes in, and like again, I just feel like you're you're less likely to get noticed if you're in the bucket than not. And also, also another thing to say, I'm not saying this would be universally true. But Odo did return to the Great Link, and so maybe, maybe he brought his positive associations with buckets and security to the Great Link, and other changelings <laughs> got that from Odo. All right, Bob, I stand corrected. <laughs> Bob, at your funeral, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that what you just said, and we're gonna play it. <laughs> it's like this is what we worried about. <laughs> And then, then everybody will walk out of the funeral saying nothing of value was lost. Yeah. <laughs> my so argument that, against the bucket was bad enough, but your argument as to why they have the bucket, even better. <laughs> so, Matt, was this the first time somebody said fucking on Star Trek? Okay, Bob, uh, Stamet said fucking in season one of Discovery. Oh, yeah, that's right. I he says it was fucking, fucking cool. Was, did Stamets say it or did Tilly say it? Stamets. Stamets said it. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's at least the first time Patrick Stewart says fucking on Star Trek. Yes, it is. Yeah. You're saying it while recounting a story that was so obviously going to help their current situation. Did that bother you at all? Like, I was like, this is so... It, I, I love the episode, Bob, but this part was a little contrived. I would have preferred there to be less flashback or no flashback. But, I mean, once once you say, okay, we're going to have a flashback that we're going to return to multiple times in the episode, at that point, sure, I guess it should be a story that's relevant to the current yeah. plot, you know? <laughs> 
But the whole Picard stealing a shuttle to get laid, to me that sounds very much like Kirk. But then I'm thinking, okay, before he had, before Picard had the heart transplant and all that stuff. This is wild, Picard, as, as sort of seen in the episode Tapestry, I think. For right. The season next so, so it does make sense, yeah. But for a minute there, I was like, this characterization doesn't make sense. And I had to like think about the time frame. So Matt, how many times do you think Picard has gotten shit for Wolf 359 in his life? Oh, every damn day, Bob. That dude can't go anywhere. And I kind of get, I, I get the reasoning because uh, I was reading something where someone pointed out that the viewer, like, you know, us, mm-hmm. we follow Picard. We've seen all his adventures and character arcs, growth, and everything that he go, goes on with him by watching Next Gen. But the people in the universe haven't. Mm-hmm. So really, they just, these people like, you know, Shaw, when Shaw was younger, he saw Picard as the leader of the Borg. You know, and he makes that comment, you know, he was so great they gave him a goddamn name, which I think is a, that was a fantastic line. And, you know, that kind of thing stuck with Shaw, and he has survivor's guilt for surviving the whole war. You know, the, the entire monologue from Shaw was everything that, like, Cisco really wanted to say in Emissary, but couldn't do all the rank of politics. But once we threw all that out, you know, they're all, they all think they're going to die. Go for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Shaw can just say it. I mean, it's great. There's so many good lines. Like, he's talking about the engineers on the ship he served with who died, and he just says, they were all my Jack Crusher. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, after he's kind of, like, driven out Jack and Picard, he kind of turns to the rest of the crew who are in the holodeck, who you kind of forget are there with the way they shoot the Shaw-Picard-Jack interchange, and he just says, forgive me, at some point, asshole became a substitute for charm, which was really funny. I mean, I know why they made sure that the other crew members could go in the in the holodeck because they could have the same, you know, time away from the ship. Yeah, it would have been pretty goddamn selfish if they hadn't let them in, Matt. <laughs> what? What? If, I'm pretty sure on the outside of the holodeck, there's like a thing that has like you know a time a time limit thing, and it says how much longer they're going to be in there. In use. It, <laughs> yeah. You got you got three hours going, you know, and it's like oh. Oh, they got two more hours left. We'll get about 30 minutes in before the ship explodes, before the, you know, we all die. It's kind of interesting. I feel like maybe this was like a resource thing, but in like Next Gen and DS9, usually like the holodeck was more framed as like a personal thing or a thing you did with your immediate friends. Yeah. But in Voyager, they tended to have like different environments, like a Parisian pool hall or like a tiki bar where it was sort of like the whole crew was sort of supposed to enjoy it, you know? Which, so this was more in the spirit of Voyager, I think. Yeah, I would like to think that there's like communal holodeck situ- simulations and there's like private holodeck yeah, situations, yeah. 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 Which makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, that was a big thing about like to what extent did Barkley have like a right to privacy in his holodeck stuff and like his first next gen episode and to what extent was like him using holograms of the other crew, like kind of a violation of their rights to privacy, you know? Yeah. And Quark trying to make like sex dolls out of uh, the DS nine cast. Oh man, that, that plot has a very interesting parallel in a Babylon five movie. If we ever, (laughs) if, if we ever decide to get back on Babylon 5, which I don't know if we will because it's now on Tubi. Yeah, when you go to Tubi, you lose me. Yeah, man, it's it's sad. It's sad. I guess that also means, not that I was dying to, but I guess that means we're also never going to cover Westworld, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> no, I wasn't planning on covering Westworld because honestly, Bob, it's it's a it's an okay show. They had a great first season, but after that, yeah. it's bleh. I'm still going to try and watch it at some point. But I watched the first episode way back when, and I was not impressed. Bev saved the ship, Bob. Yeah, she saved the ship, man. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. 
until you said this, it did. I, I didn't really register to me, but I guess Bev did actually save the ship pretty often on next gen. Oh yeah, it was very much like next gen. And I would just like to brag a little bit. I should have like texted you this so I could like really revel in it, but. I really, I, when uh, Seven and Shaw were having their initial conversation about like the changeling um, appearing like you, appearing like a friend, but saying something wrong or saying something too warm, I really did think, okay, so the it's going to have to be Crash LaForge because that's the only character we've seen Seven have any kind of relationship with. So when, Exactly. Yep. Which was brilliant yep. writing because it explains why you had that scene where Crash went and talked to Seven. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was good writing, but I also just like our theory that um, the LaForges all have a, uh, a cybernetic kink. I, I oh, like and they can still have that. It's not... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't rule it out. I no, it just... <laughs> so, Matt, if you were on the Titan bridge crew and old man Picard was in command and he kept squinting at the view screen, would that inspire confidence in you? Bob, as someone who squints to the point where people actually question my ethnicity, I, I understand. I have so many questions, but I don't want us to get canceled, so I'm not going to ask <laughs> any of them. And I, I will say, in the spirit of us being canceled, I probably am being ageist, because now that I think about it, Picard does do a lot of squinting in Next Gen. I'm pretty sure Patrick Stewart wears glasses when he's not like uh, on camera. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, just a lot, a lot of squinting. In the inner light, he squints in... Uh, in, uh, in Chain of Command, he really squints. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's true. It's true. Uh, so, Matt, Riker throwing an asteroid at the Shrike. Pretty cool, right? Oh, that was fucking awesome, Bob. That was really yeah. cool. Has that, has that been done in Star Trek before? At least that kind of nice-looking visualization of it? I don't think it has, and I definitely, like you say, if it has, I definitely don't think it's ever looked that good. Yeah, yeah that was really cool-looking. Speaking of cool looking, I really did like the nebular jellyfish. It, I mean, it felt a little like superfluous or a little extra, but I mean, you know, it is in the spirit of the franchise. It did feel like a callback to some of the best uh, next gen episodes. Although I could have done without Bev saying to seek out new life. That was a little cringe. But you got to say that let's boldly get the hell out of here was pretty funny though, right? Yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, it's still amazing that like Bev, Riker, and Picard, you know, the old stars, the ones we love all have a great episode and seven too great episode but still like it's shaw that we love the music here in the scene though bob that you're referring to with the with the jellyfish yeah, yeah. aliens that was beautiful that to it me made this pretty. feel like a film like that yeah. was that was film score quality right there <laughs> so we find out that uh, i guess a 19 year old jack did stalk picard and then was kind of turned off when pa picard said something very cultish about starfleet being the only family he needed that was a interesting reveal on the flashback. Yeah, I mean, career versus family, it's its a real thing. You know, and they just have to have that excuse as to why Picard never had kids, even though we kind of yeah. explored that over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, any thoughts on the mystery of Jack Crusher and the Red Door? You know, we, we've gone from the Red Angel to the Red Lady to what was the mystery that Raffi had after the Red Lady? I've already forgotten it. It wasn't the Red Man, was it? Or maybe it was the red man. I don't know. And now okay. now we're at the red door. Also, that I, I didn't think about it. Yeah, no Worf and Raffi this episode. I didn't really miss them. But, there, wa there wasn't much Worf or Raffi in the last episode either. <laughs> so. Oh, there wasn't? 
Not a lot, I don't think so. They they got, they went back to them after the whole cutting well, off I guess, Sneed's I head thing. I guess in terms of time, there wasn't. But I didn't they do the good cop bad cop on the changeling last week? Yes, they did. I take that back. That that was last week. Yes. But no, I think you're right that in terms of time, not much time was spent. Oh yeah, they're not just, spending any time. Like I'm not missing them at this point. I mean, maybe I like the character of Ralphie for the most part, but so oh, yeah, I, no. I don't want to. I'm, I'm not. But I just don't think that like they're very missed. They're missed much here. Well, that's that's one of the things I dislike about when I when I feel like I have to hate on season one and two of this show. It's like it's not a problem with the characters or the actors. They're all very good. I'm like I'm very disappointed that we're not getting any Girardi um, this episode or that Rios was written off at the end of season two in such a dumb preemptive way, you know. I, my guess, Bob, for Jack Crusher is that he's some kind of sleeper agent. It's based on that one scene on the Shrike where she does cut off her, off her hand to reveal like the crazy red floating thing. Uh-huh, I feel like uh-huh. that's all connected somehow, you know? Which, I, I'm pretty sure that's what we're supposed to get from that, right? I, yeah, I assume. I yeah. assume. The only thing I can really point out, though, is that the knife she did use to cut her hand off, it looks like the same knife that uh, Shinzon used in the Nemesis. Uh, that's a yeah. that's a good pull. I didn't notice that at all. That's a good pull. Yeah, yeah. it's like totally the same knife. So I, I don't know. We'll see where that goes if it goes anywhere. Because Shins is a clone of Picard. So yeah, <laughs> I, d- I doubt we're gonna get Tom Hardy back uh, for this no. uh, episode for this season. But man, I, I do love Tom Hardy. I yeah. that's still one of the great crimes of Nemesis is they get Tom Hardy and they waste him. I mean, they also like waste Ron Perlman in that movie. It's a weird movie. Yeah, I, I always forget Ron Perlman was in that film. Yeah, yeah, he's like the he's like the second big villain after uh, after Tom yeah. Hardy. It's strange. Yeah. Well, really good week of uh, of Star Trek Picard. Um, we're you know still trepidatious about its future, but maybe we're optimistic. Who knows? Who knows? It's starting to look like the Picard we wanted, Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just took three seasons. <laughs> yeah, just had to go through three different showrunners in order to find the right or three made. Three different show running combinations in order to settle on the third as the right as the right one. All right. Well, this has been uh, Uncanny Trek's episode on Star Trek Picard season three, episode four. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>